Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I am recording this in bed with Miranda Granger. Hello. (laughs) For those of you who don't know Miranda, she was an athlete that I coached through her pregnancy and returned to the octagon postpartum. She's fighting in the UFC. She's currently retired. And she spent the last couple days with me here in, where are we? Long Beach, Beach. California. (laughs) Because it was my turn to compete. I participated at the IBJJF jiu-jitsu tournament and Miranda is one of the only people I knew who'd be down for a midweek <laughs> random flight to California for some jiu-jitsu and another business venture we're working on. So we thought that we would record this podcast to give some insight on competing when you're a mom and well, also losing <laughs> <laughs> because that's what happened yesterday is I I wanted this is my second jiu-jitsu competition. The first one I did was like a smaller local tournament. And I did really well there. I won gold. I wanted to get a different look, especially because there's just not a lot of old lady blue belts <laughs> to compete against in my area. So I knew if I wanted to get different looks, I needed to do a bigger tournament. So I did IBJJF Masters and what's it called? Masters. I don't know. So yeah, I did that competition and it was good for me to have exposure to that kind of environment. And also it was intimidating. (laughs) Intimidating to be there because again, I haven't competed in jujitsu. And frankly, I haven't like competed in a long time. And that's just a different brain to tap into, regardless of how much experience you have, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I I can only compare it to like when I was when I started out fighting as an amateur you fight local girls. So you're fighting the girls from your area. So you're only getting like, I mean, just similar looks. Right. And then when you go pro or when you get like on a bigger stage, all of a sudden you're getting the best of the best and every you've been at this like higher level and then you go step out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. kind of, and everyone's at that level. So you have to figure out a different way to. Right. And like in jujitsu in general, like I don't train with a lot of women. And certainly, so I don't get that kind of look often. And then when you add in the element of like competition, women, yeah. it's different. <laughs> I think like I, I felt really confident fighting because I have the same experience. Like I train with a lot of guys, mm-hmm. but then you talk to other girls and that's kind of, a, that's a lot of females perspective. Like they don't yeah. have a lot of female training partners, especially not ones that are in their weight class at their level it's all different levels when it mm-hmm. comes to women at gyms 
So it's hard to find like good, solid female training partners because there's just not a lot. And for some reason, I feel like females sometimes get like an alpha complex, which I have. I'm not saying, I'm not blaming anyone. Like I have that. So then I, it's almost like I push away any training, potential training partners because sort of bitches. Yeah. Because I have to like prove that I'm the best. (laughs) (laughs) It just, I mean, it's nice sometimes for my brain, but then like you take a step back and you're like, okay, well I missed out on a lot of opportunity that I maybe could have made for myself. But yeah, I mean, I training with guys getting back to that. Like, I think that's a lot of women's experience. And then when they go into tournaments, they're like, well, I train with guys, so I'm fine. But if all right. the women are training with guys, then all the women kind of have that same, they're on that same level. Once you get to that right. co- competition. And level. it's just like a different look, like how women fight jiu-jitsu or MMA is way different than men. And like the energy exchange is yeah. so different. Like that's what I felt yesterday was just like, there's a different energy and intensity, which like I got energy, I got intensity, but to see that across the board was like, okay, like you're not necessarily the alpha or whatever Mm -hmm. in those environments. I don't know. It was just, it was an interesting observation, but I kind of want to talk about what you mentioned here. Like when you're training, it's like this fine line. And this is what I experienced this past month, kind of leading into this tournament and just getting into that brain space is like, there's a really blurred line between athlete brain and athletic maturity. And even like, I'm like, this is the shit I talk about all (laughs) the time. And you can think that you've reached this point of like, I call it like athletic enlightenment because I've been at this shit for so long as a coach, as an athlete, is working with athletes, being able to truly see like, how to approach something through the lens of like athletic maturity versus like athlete brain self-sabotage. But my God, when you are putting yourself in that arena, those lines get really blurry and it is so hard to not let your toxic shit come out. Yeah. I mean, you have to just like learn how to embrace the toxic mm-hmm. and like let it work to your advantage. But how many freaking phone calls did we have <laughs> a lot. the last a lot. like, what, week and a half or something? Because like, I just <laughs> call me and be like, okay, I let my toxic win today. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Cause it's just like your, it, there's an interesting, what I've observed is like just the, the pressure. Like no one gives a shit how I do. I'm not getting paid for this. This is a recreational hobby that I'm pursuing in my thirties as a mom running a business. Like I, I have a whole other life outside of this yet. The amount of like athletic pressure that I still put on myself that's internalized is immense. I think that's normal though. I mean, especially because you do have like a following. So anything you do is being watched. And I think that you like know that what you're doing also shows other women and like other people that they can do it. So there is that pressure, but like we said, like pressure is a privilege. So Mm -hmm. it's good that you are in this position because I think you can handle it. And a lot of people are seeing that from you, like, okay, well, maybe I even like the video you posted of your mom, like that's going viral. (laughs) It's like there's no age limit on like accomplishing these big things. Right. Or just doing something super new. Like I would have even a year ago, I would have said that I would go, you argued with me a year ago that you would that I would never compete. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought I would compete in jujitsu because I didn't want 
honestly, I, I knew that the pressure would be really hard for me. I knew that having to be really weight conscious in order to fight in a certain division would be hard for me. And I was like, I just don't want to like test those waters. Like that was not something I wanted to pursue because I just created a lot of stories in my head around what that would or would not mean for me. And honestly, the only thing that made me compete, what was it? Like, what did we say? What did I do? Grappling. Yeah, because your whole family was competing. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, we did like a grappling industries tournament because all three of my boys signed up. Cade, Chance, Jared. And I was like, shit, I'm going to have FOMO. And I can't let all of them do that. And I don't want my boys to see me sit out for no good reason. Like there, I had no good reason. So that was in October or early November. I don't know when I did that. And we all did really well. And I was like, okay, like maybe this can be accomplished without being a super toxic bitch. And I felt really good about that one because I had gone into it with being, it was the first time I had weighed myself in years, years, honestly, because I needed to get an idea. And remember that I was like, I won't look at the number. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't look at the number. I had Jared weigh me. You had Jared text me your weight. Uh-huh. I had Jared <laughs> text her and then my friend Antonia my weight so that Antonia would set my macros. And I could start like dabbling in that realm, which like macros was never really like my, my like, I don't even know. It was, I was more like that paleo life when I was neurotic with my nutrition. So like, because less math, right? I was like kind of intimidated of having to be that conscious around numbers attached to food, if that makes sense. I didn't know. I know you total sense. Well, I'm just trying to explain it to them. Like, I didn't want that like hyper fixation, but I think, and this is a whole other podcast topic. Like (laughs) we see this pendulum swing from like, you're either neurotic. We talked about this yesterday. Like you're either like neurotic about your food with like macros or a certain like diet lifestyle, or like you let that pendulum swing where you're like, fuck diet culture. Yeah. And like, you just are like, I'm not gonna, you just sort of let go of all of that. And so the pendulum swings the other way. And what a question came up the other day that was like, I said, fuck diet culture, but now I'm 10 pounds heavier than I want to be. And I really don't feel good in my body. So we see this pendulum swing and I've kind of fallen into that too, where it was like a out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to be weighing myself. I don't want to be like really super cognizant of how much I'm consuming. I don't want to have any food rules, but also like there is a happy medium. Yeah. There is a happy medium. The happy medium is not talked a lot about because again, we see like really polarizing approaches to health and fitness and nutrition. And to make this all connect, (laughs) I realized that this could be a way for me to like dabble and figure out like, what is a weight? I'm going to be aware of my weight. Where is a weight that I feel good? And I have a reason which is competition to be cognizant of that. It's not just like, oh, I want to be 140 pounds and this percent body fat or whatever. It was not that. It was like, I want to be in a certain weight class. So that means I need to be under this. And what does that process look like to get there? So I think like the time that you took off of the scale though, and like not tracking and not doing all that stuff Mm -hmm. probably was able to like get you to this place though. Totally. Because for me, I'm working on, it's kind of funny. We've switched, we've switched roles a little bit. Uh-huh. For those of you that don't know, I fought at 115 pounds and I am not 115 pounds no. by any means. 
So I dealed, I dealt, dealed. <laughs> I dealt it's with so uh, early. Really <laughs> I dealt with a lot of stress about like tracking and on the scale and like unhealthy in an unhealthy way, like uh-huh. purposefully like binge eating and then like stepping on the scale right after and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. Mm-hmm. And dealing with like the complications that came from that or like tracking like a piece of gum. Like I was getting so neurotic. Yeah. And after I decided like, I think I'm done fighting. I haven't stepped on the scale all year and I've still been tracking macros, but just giving myself like more grace. But not even until recently, really, right? Yeah, I didn't track for a while and I've just started recently tracking again just because I feel like I'm ready for that. But trying to find a place that I just feel good. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a broken hand right now, so I have other issues. (laughs) But like, that's kind of why I started tracking again is to make sure that I was still in check but it's hard to find that healthy balance of is it toxic or am i trying to be health conscious because you just you you question yourself in that and i think it's like paying attention to your habits and how you feel and so like my hang up was like i don't want to be obsessive i don't want this to like rule my day or my my like outings or my weekends and stuff like that so i spent like october through January or February, like just sort of finding what a maintenance was for me. Because I, when I'd reach out to Antonia, it was like, Hey, I'm thinking about competing. I haven't weighed myself in a very long time. I don't know where I'm at. Like I knew I was bigger than I had been in the past, but that all felt like kind of relative to me. But the biggest thing was my training volume was getting really high because I was entering a season where I have the ability to train more where I can do jujitsu twice a day and like lifting is still part of that and running is still part of that. But I started to realize like, I'm going to fuck up my hormones really bad if I'm training at a high intensity, but like not really cognizant of my nutritional intake and where I'm actually at or just kind of like winging it. Like intuitive wasn't enough for me anymore with the kind of training I was doing. So that mixed in with the potential of competing was enough for me to be like, all right, I can get over my own bullshit and have some more self-awareness around this. And it doesn't have to be perfect. So it's like, I was really resistant to weighing myself every day because I was like, fuck, that sounds like, that just sounds like body dysmorphia. But really, so that's how I started. It was like, I'll weigh myself like every few days or like I, there was like this long on-ramping period for me when it came to like stepping into that system again of like macros of weighing myself every day. I needed a long warm up period for making that a habit. And it was like dabbling at first. It was like tracking some days or most days or just kind of figuring that out. And like a steep, for me, it was a steep learning curve of like education, finding some structure there, even though like I'm kind of boring. I eat a lot of the same foods every day. It just became just making that a habit, I guess, without feeling yeah. overwhelmed by it. And sometimes I still do feel overwhelmed by it. And I think that's okay too, to like say like, it's still not perfect. It might not mm-hmm. ever be perfect. Still trying to find the balance. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm dealing with like some extreme body dysmorphia right now. So, just from being in the best shape of my life for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, in quotes, because really I was like, yo-yoing up and down like 30 pounds every other month right but looking a certain way and then now dealing with like 
this different season of my life, mm-hmm. having a broken hand, not being able to do the things that I want to do and being okay with that. Because it's it's just like you have this certain image of yourself or how you should look or how you should be, at right. least for me, because that was my job for so long. Mm-hmm. And now like you're kind of stepping into that where you're like, okay, well, I have to get to this weight to compete. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it, or else I get There's disqualified. a reason. Yeah. So it forces you kind of into that headspace. So trying to find that balance of like, is this too much for me? Or am I like, am yeah. I doing it for an actual reason? Yeah. I do feel like I had to like have the out of sight, out of mind season, which was a real long season, to be honest, like years of not weighing myself, years of just like kind of eating whatever, which was like mostly healthy, but also like snack life or dessert or whatever, like without giving it, without giving it that. I know that's really (laughs) hard when my mom is who she is, who bakes all this good shit all the time. Oh, so frustrating, but so good. good. So So it's like just, yeah, that, and I didn't want to feel like I was going to miss out on that. But again, competing kind of gives you a a range that you want to be in and becoming more cognizant of that. I was like, how can I do this without being like this, just without being neurotic and then like losing quality of life and enjoyment because food is part of that or socializing is part of that. Like, where is this happy medium? And so then, you know, for this competition, realized that I needed a weigh in with the Gion and I did not, which adds about five pounds. And I didn't know what time of day I was competing. So then With those things in mind, it was like, all right, I really need to kind of dial shit in for a bit here to make sure that I don't go there just to not like make weight. And like you guys know, like female body can fluctuate five pounds in one freaking day. It's insane. So you have to just being cognizant of that made me realize I need to really structure this. And if I want to keep competing, especially at a higher level, I want to play around with what weight class I'm going to go into. So I reached out to Christy Vaccaro, she is a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, but she runs a fitness and nutrition business out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Her whole team are also PNPA coaches. So I felt really called to reach out to her. She also does jujitsu. So she understands the sport and the training output in a way that like a lot of people don't. (laughs) It's really hard to explain and measure output in grappling or any kind of like combat sport. So I wanted to work with her just exclusively so that she knew based on my timeline, based on my current weight, based on the weight I want to be at, based on the weight I could be at, how are we going to go about this in a way that is practical and sustainable? So I worked with her for the past, I don't know, I think I started right before Tahiti. So we're in Honestly, it's only been about a month, a little over a month, maybe five weeks, where she kind of set my macros for like a gradual cut. And then like the last week, um, a more significant cut. And then my 24 hours prior with Miranda, <laughs> I was a hungry girl, <laughs> but not also not, not, like not bad. Yeah, not like depleted. Hungry. Just yeah. like, I really wish I could have it. Well, it's more <laughs> just because you couldn't have it, I think. Yeah, it's that like mindfuck. Yeah. And like, I was well under. But at the same time, you know, I just, my anxiety, like I didn't want to like risk freaking a period or ovulation, like throwing off the weight. So I just wanted, I'd rather, I wanted to be 
significantly lower so that I had a lot of room for error basically, or for any kind of unpredictable weight fluctuations. And that's where it's also nice that you're working with like a woman who understands Mm -hmm. all of those things and like in the same sport, which is why I found you because you also did jujitsu, which I was like, okay, I can speak I can speak her language. So. Right. I think it's so important. Like when, when you're trying to like find the people to work with, to coach you, whether it's nutrition or your fitness or whatever it might be, like they need to get what you do. And if they don't, they need to figure it out and understand it fast. Or you're not like that relatability component is so, so, so key, which is great. Like I love Christy. I've known her a long time. She's like OG and PA coach. So I like know her vibe. And I obviously she's really talented with her coaching and nutrition business. But the fact that she then also knew jujitsu, like that was the thing that really helped me say like, okay, like she's going to be able to see the whole picture of this. And now where I could be really straightforward with like, I don't want to be neurotic either. Like I need to still have a quality of life. So like, what does that look like? And what you realize is most of us need way more calories than what you're probably consuming, especially if you're training even somewhat consistently. And I think that was when I was first dabbling in this with Antonia, she was like, bitch, you need to eat way more than what you're eating. Way, way more. And I was like, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I thought I was eating like enough. It felt fine. But that's where like being more cognizant of your intake really helps because then your performance will improve. Your hormones will improve. Your digestion will improve when you actually are hitting the macronutrients that you need, like you might need a lot more fat or maybe you need a lot more protein or female athletes, holy shit, you need way more carbs than what you think you need. Yet, if it's an out of sight, out of mind, you're not gonna, you won't really know that. And if you're struggling with anything hormonally or your digestion, so much of that can be improved through nutrition. And I think that's where we can say like, hey, this isn't toxic. This is actually like figuring out what your body needs to operate and perform really well. And sometimes you need some math for that. And that, that's okay. That's not toxic. That's okay. <laughs> what do you think? No, I agree. I, I just, I think just finding a way to, to balance it with your life. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to be different. And so comparing yourself to like what you see online or just following like a real, like what I eat in a day on you know, oh, an God. influencer or something, it's, that has been like really, really hard to see. Even for me who knows mm-hmm. those things, I see someone, I'm like, well, what am I not doing? Why? Why can they have that? But I feel like I look like this. And it's just like that Mm -hmm. constant comparison is really hard. So just figuring out what works for you and being able to do like trial and error and saying like, okay, well, I didn't like this or I do like this or how can I improve on this area? I mean, I, for a long time was not eating any carbohydrates. Right. And then in my last camp, I mean, after I, I had my daughter, I got a nutritionist for my cut just because I was more concerned with that because I was I had to fight like a year postpartum so it was a it was a challenge right but I got a nutrition and I was actually eating more than I'd ever eaten Uh even outside of camp but I didn't feel that like binging tendency because it was like oh this is what I'm supposed to have like right I'm actually rice and potatoes and I'm like what is this how am I in a fight camp right now yeah so yeah it was yeah, we've really like just made carbs the devil, but like women need carbs. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And it improves how you feel at a cellular level, but also like your performance just benefits so much. And again, this is a whole, that's a whole other nutrition rabbit hole podcast we could get into. Should bring Christy on, but yeah, it's just, it's just been an interesting 
like self-reflection experiment where you're like, okay, this is how I used to be, which was like really dogmatic around food to then like pendulum swings the other way of like out of sight, out of mind, weight, exact macronutrients, et cetera. Like, well, I'm just going to eat healthy ish or 80, 20 or whatever. But like, yeah. So now like trying to swing that pendulum to the messy middle of, okay, I can, I have a framework of calories and this is what I need to complement my training lifestyle. And also on Saturday when I'm out with friends and we're at a barbecue, like I can eat mostly healthy, but maybe I'll have a drink or maybe I'll have dessert or maybe I'll have these things and maybe it fits in my macros or maybe it doesn't, but that's okay. The next day I'm kind of back on my bullshit of being really aware of my body and my intake and what I need to do. Eliminating all of those things. You're still going to like think about it and want it. And then that's Mm -hmm. where like the binging comes in. And that's where the like toxicity comes in. Right. Because it's like, okay, well, if I have this, I'm just going to eat all of it. I'm going to eat all day because I've already screwed up rather than like, okay, you know what? Like at night, if I want like a cookie, I'm going to have a cookie. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not eating like 20. I'm eating one and being like, okay, I can have another one tomorrow if I want. Right. It's just, it's easier said than done, obviously, but yeah, but it just, it gives you, in some ways it actually gives you a lot more freedom, Mm -hmm. even though you think like, oh, it's control. And I think that was my opposition was like, I don't want food to be in control of me. I want to be in control of food, but it's really like flipping the script a little bit where like, well, actually, if I do have this framework to go off of, it gives me a lot more freedom, but within some controlled boundaries. Like, Mm -hmm. and that I think is where you can find that happy medium. And you know, and if you just don't track for a day or you go through a season of that, that's fine, but it just gives you some framework where even if you get in the practice of that, you start to realize like, all right, I know this is around four ounces. Like I can look at that and go, that's about four ounces. Or like when you were cutting out my avocado the other night, you're like, I don't need to weigh this. I know that's exactly like two grams or whatever, right? It's like That's like 1.7 ounces. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so, but I honestly think that awareness is also can be a really good thing. Like it doesn't have to be toxic. I think that it's truly a matter of like, what, where are you coming from? where are you currently at? And like, what do you need right now? Maybe you need to step away from that kind of structure because you've been so dialed and neurotic and maybe borderline eating disorder or eating disorder. So like, you know what? That's not healthy for you anymore. You need more of that, like food freedom and out of sight, out of mind with numbers and weight and anything like that. Or maybe your pendulum of that has swung too far and you're like, I don't like how I feel anymore. I don't like how I feel. Okay, then like, how can we create ways for you to dial that in and not have it like rule your life where then it has to swing all the way to, over to the other side of like diet culture. Yeah, making it more of like a balanced lifestyle mm-hmm. than like, I just need to lose weight for this event or I just want to be at this weight. And then you hit that weight and then you're lost because mm-hmm. you're, you've been doing like an elimination diet. Right. And because it's usually an elimination of something and you get to that weight and then you're like, okay, now what? How yeah. do I maintain? How do I... Well, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing because I'm at this weight now. Mm-hmm. And then you just get into this like circle of just, I, I don't even know what, you know, yeah, I mean? it's, it's like this vicious. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. It's vicious. So I think it's just that self-awareness around like, what do you need? And I knew after I had my boys that I did not want to let, you know, like the scale and numbers like rob me of, mm-hmm. of that season. Cause I did that after Cade and it was awful. And I was my, uh, so unhealthy, so frail. 
And I knew like after a chance, I was like, I'm not doing that again. Like that's when I knew I needed the out of sight, out of mind during that postpartum season, honestly, for years. And then I had like, like surgeries. And so then I didn't want it during those seasons either. Cause I didn't want to add like further anxiety and obsession and depression over any of that. So it was like out of sight, out of mind. But like, as seasons change, as life circumstances change, your approach to your training, your nutrition, your fitness, and even like your relationship with all of those things, like it has to evolve to find mm-hmm. what's actually healthy for you versus what was healthy or unhealthy before. Yeah. And I don't know. But podcasts took a turn. Yeah. Should we talk <laughs> about your competition? I guess. So this has been, it's been a much easier process for me having a lot more awareness around nutrition and body. My training volume was really high. I felt pretty good going into the competition. I train hard. I have great professors. I, yeah, I like, I just train a lot because I I genuinely enjoy it. And it's just funny to find a sport in your thirties when you're a mom, that's like fighting people and it's really aggressive, but then I take it to the, a competition level. It just, overall, it's been a really good process. But it also exposed that like athlete brain versus athletic maturity struggle, the push and pull of it, where like a little bit of that toxic athlete brain attitude. I think you should talk about the day. My meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. I think you should. I think it's helpful. I think it's I think I've tried to block it out now. I'm, <laughs> I'm making you I'm making you bring it up. I told you I was gonna interview you today. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> um to like yeah you just just I had like a mini meltdown at jujitsu one night and it was like kind of an intense round but like when I think back I'm like was it even an intense round or was I just like really fucking grumpy that day and building building it up you're getting ready for it yeah and I was like maybe two weeks out from this competition and I fucking snapped and it was on my round wasn't with Jared, but like, I kind of like snapped on him in class, which is like, not cool. It's not cool at all. And I felt really embarrassed. And oh, but before that I had been, okay. So we had class at the end of, and I was hating what we were doing. I I'll just, okay. I'll fucking tell the whole story. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Cause now it's not going to make any sense. This is our most candid podcast. I wasn't clicking like the what we were drilling I just was like in a funk and I was like I'm not getting this and I was annoyed and frustrated so I wasn't having fun like and I jiu-jitsu is very fun for me it's the first sport I've done where it's like I feel I have fun with it and it is I've never it's a sport where I wasn't expected to be good and I didn't expect that of myself and I knew that it wasn't expected of me but it wasn't feeling fun that day I was just really frustrated and annoyed with myself and then at the end of class, I was given a stripe. So then I was even more annoyed. You should which explain like I shouldn't. Kind of yeah. Like so a stripe is something that you get very gradually over time, sort of like a reward system. You know, when you give your kids a sticker for doing good, but your professor gives you a stripe when you've made progress, and with a blue belt or with any belt, really, you get four stripes throughout your time before you move up to the next belt level. So I've been a blue belt and I got my fourth stripe. So my around the corner is a purple belt and I got the stripe and I was just so fucking grumpy about it. 
because, and, and I'm not proud of this. I really hate this about me and how I acted, but I was just like, no, like, because to me, it was almost like this symbol of now there's more pressure self-imposed, or maybe this like visual, like I should be this level of like good or proficient or knowledgeable. And I'm like, I don't feel like that. And jujitsu has been so pure for me because it's a sport where like for the last few years, you know, you're like white belt, blue belt life. Like not a lot is expected of you. Like you're still in like your beginner baby learning stage. And I've loved that because it's so pure. And I haven't had that in sports. Like I've always held, it's just, that's not been my experience in sports. I'm supposed to be good. I'm supposed to be like proficient. I'm supposed, I am supposed to be knowledgeable. But this jujitsu is so different that it was like, it's it's okay to suck. It's okay to not be good. So I got this fourth stripe. I was really grumpy about it. I mean, it was on a, I think you had, you gotten a fourth stripe maybe on a day that you had an amazing day and everything yes. was going right. I would have felt been, way better. Great. Yep. You were having a terrible day. Terrible day. And then I get a stripe and I'm like, oh. So then I like kind of had just a shitty attitude after that. We went into like, we were able to stay like an hour later after to do rounds. So then I had, and so I was, grumpy from class. Then I was like all in my head, mind fucking myself about this fourth stripe and just pissed that I got it. And like most people are stoked when they get a stripe. And I'm like just this toxic bitch who's like just sassy and grumpy and creating so many stories about why I don't want this stripe because of this pressure or this expectation or now people are going to think I'm good and I'm like not. (sighs) And then uh Shut up, Miranda. Don't compliment me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so then, like, I had kind of an intense round, and then I snapped at Jared after class, like, when he, like, said something or whatever. And so that was embarrassing. And then because it was, like, the, the accumulation of all of this shit, I just started crying on the mat. Like, <laughs> and I don't really cry. It takes a lot for me to cry. And if I'm crying, it is because I have reached the point of frustration that cannot be verbalized or put anywhere. And then I was so pissed that I was crying that I couldn't control it. I was like, I couldn't stop myself from crying. And I just felt like an idiot. Like I just felt so dumb. And I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm like, frankly, I'm too smart for this shit. I should not be acting like this annoying bitchy teenager right now but like here we are like oh my god unfortunately i got partnered with a great training partner after that he's really cool he's he's married he has kids he knows he knows women <laughs> he knows women <laughs> and he's just like what i loved is he didn't like give me a hug and be like it's okay brie you're doing great i love that he was like let's go start rolling like he didn't he let me literally cry into his armpit inside control where I'm like, <laughs> like just like laying there inside control and like pretend like I'm trying to like work my role with him. But I just like, I'm trying to get my shit together and stop crying. But it's so hard when you feel like you can't control your tears. Yeah. And you're just like tightening. Yeah. You're like a snot. I'm like, oh my God, I am just, <laughs> I am just crying into you right now. But he was like, he's good. Cause he just kept talking to me like, okay, like go for the arm here. I want you to okay, like try to like scoot up in this way or whatever. Like he was talking me down from it without having to address the fact that I was at that level of frustration with myself and an embarrassed for my behavior, embarrassed for my attitude. 
it was just, it felt like a really humiliating day and I've made it right and talked to my partner, talked with, obviously talked to Jared and just was like, I'm really sorry about like my attitude. And I don't, I'm not proud of that. And, but God, like just so much shame and embarrassment around acting like a freaking, just my toxic, my freaking toxic that I have worked so hard to like keep buried. It just got really exposed and it sucked. Yeah. I mean, there's something about an individual sport that brings oh, yeah. out these different types of demons or conflicts in, oh, your, in yeah. your head where it's like, if you're playing nothing against team sports, I had my own problems with team sports too. Mm-hmm. But like when I started doing, when I started fighting, I cried more at that gym than I cried in my entire life yeah. together. It's this weird pressure that you put on yourself because no matter what your coaches do, no matter what your team do, it always comes down to you and yeah. only you. So you're putting all of this pressure on yourself every single moment of the time you're training because no one can pick up that slack for you, but you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, God, I just thought that like that little girl or that teenage girl or that college athlete girl was dead. Like, I didn't think that side of me, <laughs> I didn't think she was around anymore. I don't think, I don't think I, go. <laughs> it doesn't die though. It just gets more repressed. And I think She's just That's, hanging out, waiting for you to just hang out. <laughs> she's like, girl, knock, knock. <laughs> but it's like, that hasn't come out for me in oh, so long, so long, where it's like that bitchiness and that self-sabotaging behavior, con- thought process, I'm, all of it. Like, I thought that was dead. I thought it was like unlocked because of my athletic maturity and all this bullshit. <laughs> that I coach and I preach and I understand at such an intimate level, I almost thought that like I've made it past that point of that shit coming out. And again, yeah, like you said, like a sport where there's so much aggression involved and pressure, even if no one else is putting pressure on me, there's just still this self-imposed pressure of like wanting to like, just be your best, perform your best, like that I should be better than this, or I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to let my professors down or just like so many elements of this that adds to this pressure. And then, yeah, it just makes it really easy for your shitty side to get exposed. Mm -hmm. And then people that don't deserve it, take the brunt of your bitchiness and that's, it's not cool. And it just was really eye opening. I, and then I was like, didn't sleep that night. I was so pissed the next morning. I went on a long walk and I <laughs> called Miranda and I was like, bitch, we're hiking together. Even if <laughs> I keep losing you because we're hiking, we're going to talk this out. And it was just really affirming to hear that like, no, like that is a part of when you're training with a lot more intensity, especially in a sport like this, that comes out. And normally like I cry, if I'm going to cry, I cry in the shower, I cry on my drive home when I'm just like frustrated, but I've never had it like kind of come out when I'm there. And it was just affirming to hear that like, it's okay if it comes out, it's pretty normal for that to come out. And you're not toxic because you have self-awareness around that not being okay. It's when that spirals and becomes like your behavior pattern. And who you are. And who you are. Like if you're just chronically bitchy, and no one enjoys training with you and like, God, like where you're just, yeah, you have to be able to go. You have to be able to get out of it also. Mm-hmm. But for me, from my experience, like the people who have competed will understand and like, mm-hmm. will be more understanding of that. 
And the people who haven't competed usually don't really care that much because they're not really like, they're not really even noticing right. those things. And I think that we just like, like you're saying, put so much pressure on herself that even like we put pressure on our emotions. Like we can't feel this or we can't do this where it's like, sometimes when you're exerting yourself and at the intensity that you are and the pressure that you're at, like, yeah, things are going to happen that are out of your control, like crying at the gym and running it. I had this little, it was called like Miranda's cry corner and I'd like run mm-hmm. up there. And a lot of people used it, but we'd run up there and we'd like hide behind this like file cabinet thing up to the top <laughs> of the gym. And it's like, sometimes you just need to get it out. Yeah. Get it over with or else it's just going to eat at you and you're never going to be able to move on from it. Yeah. It just <clears throat> freaking boils. Like I, there was nothing I could do to stop myself from crying right there. And I was like, Oh my God, why is this happening? And again, I'm like, dude, I am 37 years old. Yeah. Right now you're like 17. But right now I'm like, why is this happening? Like I have a whole other life that is not through the identity of doing anything competitive or anything athletic. I'm a mom. I'm a business owner. I am like, I am married. I have shit. I have a life. And yet this part of me is still so part of me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a really interesting realization is like, you don't necessarily grow out of it. Like some people do, but if you're going to like tap back into training, not just like working out, but training for something, you got to learn to balance like all of the things, all of the energies, like be present with my kids and not be just like toxic training vibe. It's like, I got to take off that hat and be with my kids. And I love being with them. And I want to be with them. I love that they've been a huge part of this. They, they, they see me train. We're at the gym from four to eight o'clock at night, some like a couple nights a week because Chance does his class. Kay does his class. And they stay after and watch me do my class. And like Jared's there. It's like, this has become a huge part of our family lifestyle. I love that they see it. But I also love that we have a whole other life outside of this. And like, that's important to me is that they still see that. And it's important to me that I'm still nurturing my business and growing that in the ways I want to grow it, where it's like, I don't want anything to take over my life. I don't want business to take over my life. I don't want my training or jujitsu or nutrition or fitness approach to take over my life. I don't want, I want there to be like a good ebb and flow of things, or maybe some things more in focus versus out. But I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to find too, when they're naturally like more athlete brained is like, where can there be a balance of I like doing this, but this is not who I am. Mm -hmm. I am not any one of these things. And I never want to be controlled by any one thing. Yeah. It's funny what hearing you talk about all this and just hearing like the support that you do have and how close your family is and all that. And Mm -hmm. still how isolating that feeling is and how alone that feeling is. Even though a lot of people I think are going through that same thing when they're experiencing higher levels of this type of competition in life or anything, like any type of high level pressure doesn't have to be in sports. It's such a isolating, alone feeling that you're like, why am I feeling like this? Why does everyone seem like they have their shit together, but mm-hmm. I can't keep mine together? And in reality, I think, I mean, I think that so many people feel like that. Yeah. And you're just trying to like keep on all your hats and balance everything. And it, right. it just gets overwhelming at times. And I think that's why you snap. It's just, it's right. just this like, the pressure just built and it just needed to pop right. for a second. It's like, and yeah, it, it totally is accumulation of like all the different pressures and like how much energy you're giving to different aspects of your life. And 
Like I fucking, I run high. I run fast. People are like, I can't keep up with you. Like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, man. This is just how I'm wired. I've been like this my whole life. Like I am busy, but I also like the busy. It's important to me to have a lot of... the busy. Yeah, like, and I love it. Like, that's just, I operate well that way. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, it's too much. Like, no, I need that shit. I need, this is how I'm I'm wired intensely and I gotta just like embrace (laughs) that part of me, even if it seems crazy to other people. But it's, for me, it's when the intensity starts to override other important categories. And it's, we see that, like, right? We see people that will, and again, there's nothing wrong with any one of these things. It's just not how I want to live. It's just like where they either go all into their family, but then they disregard other aspects of their lives and health or whatever identity that makes them happy. Or they're like, they get so dialed into their work that now they're, they're missing out on things with maybe their family or seasons that were really important to them. Some people have no choices and I freaking recognize that. And then you have, like I see sometimes, like some people get so involved in their sport or their training that they're missing out on a quality of life, that's whether that's me. with their kids or it's with like being able to socialize and not be like neurotic about what they're doing or eating. And it's like, they're so dialed into that athlete life and their training that like they're missing vacations with their freaking kids. Like I see that and I'm like, hell no, hell no. I will not miss out on big life things yeah. for any one thing. And that's not to say like, today I'm missing Kate's last day of school. Literally in bed right now, I'm missing his last day of school. I hate that I'm not there. And I have a partner who is going to be there and a mom who's going to be there. And frankly, a babysitter because it takes three freaking people to, <laughs> to make up for one mom, okay? But like, there's just certain... It's just, it's being able to like zoom out and say like, how am I living my life holistically? And is any one category like significantly overpowering the other? And that it's gonna, again, it's gonna ebb and flow. And sometimes something will take more focus and energy, but like you have to figure out if you're happy with that and if and why, like, is that really important? And how do we kind of balance out these macro themes of our life so that one is not just totally ruling and influencing the other and we're not missing out. When you're an athlete mom, my God, don't fucking miss out on this stuff. It goes like not to sound like an old lady, but it really does go so fast. Like Kate's going to be 10 next month. 10. I was so freaking pregnant 10 years ago right now. And it's just (laughs) wild because it's like, it really does go by fast and I'm not freaking willing to miss out on this. And I'm not willing to miss out on like, I still have a life and identity that's not attached to motherhood. I still have a lot of athletic upside. That's not dead. That's not over. And that girl's not, that, she's still here. <laughs> but how we navigate like discovering that or rediscovering that is beyond, it's just beyond important. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I lived a lot of uh, like, the last I lived the last 10 years in that just like oh. athletic mm-hmm. only one track brain but I also didn't I wasn't I didn't have a kid at the time I had myself to worry about I had my dog and my husband to right. worry about you know so it's like it was easier for me to do that and after I fought having Austin I feel like my brain changed yeah and now it went the complete opposite way for a little while where I was like <laughs> I don't want to do anything I booked a vacation I was telling you to yeah. like do you have any free time? I'm like, no, I'm on vacation for four months. Basically, <laughs> like, I am. Just like 
was trying to take all of that in, but now I'm trying to get back to where I can find the balance between the two. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because yeah, there's certain seasons. And I've been talking about this a lot on social media. It's like, there's just certain seasons that are going to consume more of you physically, mentally, emotionally, like near the early years of motherhood. That is what consumes you. There's no getting around that. It's just really, it's hard for that not to be a giant <laughs> macro part of your life. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you start to introduce other other macros that you care <laughs> about, right? Like like there's your there's your mom life, there's your work life, there's your relationship maybe, or there's your your training and what like lights you up there and it's just trying to reintroduce that and then also find like a healthy balance for that. And it's so easy to see that pendulum swing where it's like, well, God, I've been on mom duty for a decade, like me, <laughs> or like a raising a business too for the last eight years. Like the mom life and business have taken such a strong hold of my last 10 years that I've poured everything into everything. And those are two things I'm exceptionally proud that I poured a lot into. And then finding a sport like jujitsu, it's like that opened a whole new world of like, actually my training can really evolve and look different. And like, this is a new thing to introduce where, and I think that's why it's like easy to go like all in and drink that Kool-Aid and just take it as seriously as I've gradually taken it. Because before I was only like training like twice a week during like my white belt year, it was like, not, I mean, that was COVID that was getting my breast implants out. There was just like a lot of like weird interruptions to that life. But when I moved to Idaho, that's when I was like, holy shit, I need some discipline. I need to, I am starting my whole life over. I need something that's going to keep me steady because nothing feels steady right now. Like starting over in a new state, I just knew that I could use jujitsu as a vessel of like consistency and getting into that. And I think that's why it became such a huge part of like introducing a new theme into my life that wasn't just like my normal workouts. So I don't know. It's it's just been an interesting process getting here and just weird to reflect on it now that we're here. Mm-hmm. Literally here. <laughs> but I don't know. What else are we talking about then? We're going to talk about the actual competition. We don't have to. Yeah. Well, we can talk about it. I So I competed at IBJJF, which is a really big a tournament. A really big tournament. It's really. a really big deal. Yeah. Especially to go into it for your second tournament ever. It's a really big deal <laughs> that you did this. So that's what I want to tell everyone before she starts talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know me or something. It's a big tournament. And it was like, okay. And what I... I, God, I just felt like such a hot mess. And I, on my side, there was girls that got a buy. So basically I had to win my first round in order to keep continuing on. There's five people in our bracket. And I had to compete in an age group down. So normally I'm masters two, but I competed in masters one, which is like 30 to 35, which like, I didn't think it was a big deal at all. Again, I'm like, I go with men every day. Like I, I don't have problems going with women. This shouldn't be a big deal. And it's not that I didn't like take it seriously. It's just like, I wasn't, that wasn't like a factor that I was like turned off by. I was like, it's fine if I'm fighting down an age division, still girls in my weight class. So I knew I had to win that first round. And I was like, 
kind of mind fucking myself about that too beforehand. I was like, I was just like putting a lot of pressure on myself to win that just so that I had like any kind of shot of continuing on. I didn't like have like high expectations and you know, I was like going to win it or anything like that, but just a matter of, of getting out there and I wanted to like show up and I freaking didn't like, I just got neutralized and it was a really frustrating round. And I'm not mad that I lost. I'm mad in how I, how I lost, like how, like how the round went, how I performed. I feel like I underperformed. I feel like I just got neutralized and not because she was better than me. Like we watched the rest of the girls compete and those girls were freaking good. It was like a different level of jujitsu where you could look at that girl and say like, okay, she has a blue belt on, but she could easily be a brown belt. Like based on the sh- the stuff she's doing and how she's doing it. Like it was, it's a different level of jujitsu, which was like great to see. And also I would have loved to lose feeling like I did, I had a really good round and that girl just like got a sick submission or like just owned you, owned me. But that's not how I felt. Like, that's not how this felt. I just felt neutralized. And that's why I'm like, I'm again, I'm not mad I lost. And it's not even disappointment. It's like, I'm annoyed and frustrated with how I performed because I don't feel like I had a chance to like play my game. And here's the thing. I've been, I've been competing since I was five years old. I know how to lose. And I'm very much a realist when it comes to winning and losing. I don't get really high winning. I get more like relieved when I win. It's not like excited. I'm not an excited person, right? That's where we differ. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I'm always, it's more of a relief if I win and that's in business, that's in competition, et cetera. And losing, it's just more of like, it's, there's a practicality component for me. Just try to be like a realist about it. And I think that's what's hard is I'm not sad. I'm just like, I'm just annoyed. I'm annoyed with how I lost. I'm annoyed with how it went down. In some ways, it's embarrassing. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I do have their perspective here. Like, this is not embarrassing. This is a big deal to be here. And anyone who's competed knows. Right. Totally. So like, I can athlete brain and athletic maturity, like talk myself into like a healthy place with a loss. I haven't been like sitting in this Airbnb fucking crying or anything. Not like me. Not emo. (laughs) No. Well, you lost in a much different kind of manner. So this is not, again, this is not a fucking big deal. This is a recreational hobby that I do as a mom of two. <laughs> like, yeah. this is it's just not the same. So for me, it's just, it's disappointing in how it went down. And it's just, it's making me realize like, hey, I know exactly what I need to work on. So I'm like, I never want that to happen again. I never want to feel neutral. I either want to feel like I'm creating or I'm reacting appropriately. And I didn't feel like either of those things happened. So I know what I need to work on. It's good context. And frankly, it's good to compete under big lights, you know, and just that kind of stage to get exposure to that kind of environment of intensity, that level of jujitsu is just very different than anything I have exposure to in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing compares. No one compares at all to what we saw in that, in that bracket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that was just it's an interesting observation to get a feel for getting in the arena at this age, at this level, at this, whatever, I don't like, I, there's nothing I would do differently in terms of like training leading up to this. I trained hard. I learned a lot. I had really great instruction. My nutrition was good. My, except for my toxic day 
overall, like my mental process and emotional process was like really good, so much better than I could have anticipated. And there was no other point in time I probably could have done that in a healthy way. Um, I had to like really just be at a place in my growth and my relationship with my body and training where like this could be done well. And now it's just, it's working on a different like angle of the game to know how I can show up and compete, knowing what competing at that level actually looks like now. So it is a good, I hate, I fucking hate all of the winning and losing cliches, you know, but like Cade has a sign in his room. He gave it to Miranda actually <laughs> after her or before her fighters. I don't know. I remember after when I, after I lost. Yeah. And it's like, you either win or you learn. And like, I fucking know that I hate <laughs> it, but I know it. It is true. It is so true. And you learn so much from losses about yourself, about your game, about your environment and reaction to that. So yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed, but mostly with myself. And overall, it was a good, like really good learning experience through the process and through the in actual environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think losing exposes like all of the good and bad parts of your game because it just makes you like hyper-focus on like, yeah. what went well, what went wrong, where was my head at? Right, but that's why I'm annoyed because I'm like, I got fucking, it's neutral. Like there was <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there wasn't even like, like a good showing it just and it wasn't even necessarily a bad showing it was just blah yeah fucking blah yeah but and that's the feeding feeling yeah and but even from like an outside perspective like you can notice things that we had a game plan Mm -hmm. the game plan didn't go to what we wanted and instead of moving on from that in the Mm -hmm. moment it was like letting those frustrations take over which is 100 normal i mean that's exactly what happened to me in my last fight it's just like something goes wrong and instead of just reacting and being like that doesn't matter you're holding on to it you're analyzing it you're thinking about it and in a sport like this where any second things can change that split second matters yeah and i think going into a competition like this like yes it was i mean the word i guess is boring it was just like a boring grappling match it was just like a very stagnant nothing really happened but from like my perspective and knowing you and like reading your emotions as you're in there, I can just tell that though that's something that like I think you can take away. And mm-hmm. how do I turn those frustrations and like the wrong game plan into like an advantage? How do I take advantage of like, okay, yes, this didn't go my way, but I also have this, this, and this. I also right. have this, this, and this off of that. Like mm-hmm. there's so many different things that you can still take, even if it doesn't seem like a lot happened. Right. I think a lot did happen. It was almost like there was just like a lot of like anxiety. And I was almost so distracted that I feel like I didn't, I couldn't even like think clearly or straight. I was just like, so zoned into like what was happening that I couldn't like react appropriately. And I've not had that happen in my training. Like that doesn't happen in my training. I can go with everyone. And it's not like they're like going easy on me. That's why it just felt so interesting is like, and I know nine times out of 10, the girl you rolled with, sorry if you're listening, <laughs> but the girl you rolled with nine times out of 10, you beat. But in my opinion, I know a real like grappling match at your gym, a girl like that shows up, you're going to beat her. It's, it's a different, it's just a different mindset of when you're competitive. It's like a hyper focus mm-hmm. that sometimes distracts you. And you know what I mean? Yes, it's that's like- exactly what happened. I was so hyper focused on like the one thing that was happening that I couldn't zoom out into making like the micro adjustments I needed or 
honestly, even like the instinctual reactions that you have when you grapple. There's so much about jujitsu that I love. And it's like the one thing that I really love is it is so, it's so methodical and and step-by-step process, but then you also feel it. It is your body just feels what you're supposed to do next a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And I've loved that. I've loved like creating those patterns and that flow and like that neuroplasticity. Like I love that at a nerd level. But then I also, I, that wasn't working. And so then I couldn't zoom, I couldn't mentally figure it out either. So that's why I just felt so neutralized is my body wasn't really reacting the way I needed it, wanted it to. And then, but I couldn't like think straight to be able to make some more tactical or technical adjustments, I should say, more technical adjustments to then put myself in a better position or react differently or whatever. Like I just felt neutralized and that is so foreign for my game. Yeah. So fucking foreign. Well, and it's really hard when, and now you've, you've experienced this is like, you work so hard for months and months and you put in all of these hours mm-hmm. and what people got from you was five minutes. And, and fucking it, nothing. Like, and I didn't no, even do like, anything. But like, <laughs> it, it, but like, it's a hard sport because for me, it was like 15 minutes for a fight, but like for you, it was five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that is supposed to determine your whole game and your whole worth as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not. And right. anyone who competes in it knows that, but outsiders looking in, like see like, oh, she lost her fight. She must not be very good. Like I've mm-hmm. told you how my feelings are about me losing when it's like people that don't know it are going to look at my record and be like, wow, she sucks, you know, but like, I don't, right. it's 15 minutes, but they don't see that. Like for 10 years I've been, you know what I mean? It's like, it's this, it's, this I know we let out subs and L's determine care. worth. It's yeah. stupid. And it's people that don't even really care right. about the sport or know any, you know, that would, that would judge or like that would think differently of you. And who gives an F about those people's opinions, really? No. It's just like, it's just hard to like separate that. It's really hard. And now it's like hard to figure out like, how do I want to show up? Do I want to keep competing? Do I want to keep competing at that level? And frankly, when you are a master's athlete and a woman and any rank other than a white belt, your local competition, unless you're probably like in California, is or Vegas, yeah. Or Vegas is it is so like sparse. Like there's just not a yeah. lot of us. So competing locally, like there's just not a lot there for me. They're not going to be in my same weight class or same age or anything like that. So if you want like look that are comparable to you, you got to go find those at the bigger tournaments. And so that's where I just feel like, I don't know, like what does this look like for me? Do I want to compete at that level? Or like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. And I think I just need to sit on that a little bit more about I think that's okay too, like being able Mm -hmm. to take that and process it. Totally. And that's that athlete brain versus athletic maturity. Like I already know the tournament I would compete in in a few months if I wanted to now continue on to Worlds, which is in September. And I'm like, okay, like what's a good strategy there? Like I've already done that thing I do, which is like, let's find a solution. How can we like fix this? How can I redeem myself (laughs) or whatever? Like, and I know what that could look like. It's just, do I want to look, do I want it to look like that? Like what do, where do I want to like, spend my energy and like I don't want to just keep getting embarrassed but then at the same time like I practicing brave is like truly part of like my ethos and again like I'm okay losing I'm okay putting myself out there how that goes down is what I need to feel okay with and today I don't feel okay like I don't feel okay with how that went down and I also know that it's like not a make it or break it situation it just it just kind of is mm-hmm. so 
that's how yesterday went. Good times. And sushi. Oh, yeah. Oh, my classic us. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we, since I hadn't eaten, you're like, what do you want? I was like, let's, or Miranda's like, you want some Chick-fil-A? I'm like, hell yeah, I want some Chick-fil-A. So we had that for lunch. This is after like, I haven't had sodium in quite a while. (laughs) So I had that. That's why there's no video today. We're both (laughs) Our eyes are so puffy. And I'm pretty sure I feel a pimple on my chin. Yeah, like our Chick-fil-A and then sushi. And I should never, I do not have the attention span for like ordering online. I like fucked up our whole order and got us like so much sushi on accident and like weird combinations of sushi. I don't know. And then then we, they're going to judge us, but I'm going to tell them. We ordered some edibles because we're in California. Miranda's cringing right now. (laughs) It's okay. We needed to relax and laugh. And I realized, oh shit, I don't have my ID. So I like left my ID there. Like we were just frigging hot mess. So then before consuming any edibles, we drove back to the venue. I had to find my ID. I did like the walk of shame, like, yeah, that's my ID. But turns out that was a common problem because he had like a, it was like he was a bouncer. He had a collection of IDs. (laughs) He's like, where you at? (laughs) Yeah. So I got the ID, came back, crushed some Baskin Robbins and Ben and Jerry's ice cream and called it a night and that's why we feel like shit this morning <laughs> but how fun was he's like i'm gonna say it i'm like it's not good for our vibe she's like i don't care we're in california <laughs> baby it's okay it's okay it's basically just like some cbd you know it's, little, true. it's, it's baby it's not like anything crazy it's true and did we not freaking laugh our asses off yeah <laughs> <laughs> me pausing <laughs> super long of pauses i was like was that just me that like, interpreted? Wait, are you still talking or are you... <laughs> I put myself on pause. And I couldn't <laughs> tell if it was me. That's like, am I just, is like time moving really slow? Or is Miranda moving really slow? Oh, oh. Uh, I mean, look, they've heard all of our toxic shit so far. So why not add this on top of it? Good times. It's legal here. It's legal. We didn't do anything illegal. I'm from Washington, so it's double legal. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're fine. So it's a great way to end a, ju- a shit jujitsu day. Let me just tell you that. Like, it's shitload of food and a little bit of a giggly high and then bed. How good did really we Really little. It was really little. Real little. Five milligrams. Yeah. It's like a freaking joke. I slept good. <laughs> slept so good. Pillow my It's like <laughs> dead. Like, I don't think I moved at yeah, all. We haven't really... I mean... We still, okay. have, we still haven't moved. We, no. <laughs> That's true. We got to get moving too. We have stuff to do today. Yeah, we're going to go meet with a professional athlete today. And the shit's cool. Like when it comes down to it, I'm so glad that like this is a life. Like I just feel a lot of gratitude around this, that I get to live this life and compete, coach, train, mom life it up. And that I have someone like Miranda who gets it and can hang at this level of chaos and deal with you and deal with me and not apologize to you ever. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> don't tell me you're sorry I'm lost. That is the wrong use of the word sorry. And then she proceeded to tell me all the ways I use sorry incorrectly. Yeah. I was like, if someone bumps into you, you don't fucking say sorry. <laughs> it's just one of my many tangents. But yeah, like, I'm just glad that. That this, I just feel a lot of gratitude, the ability to be able to do this and 
coach at this level, have these conversations, understand it, this world that are like being an athlete, being a mom, being a coach and like, un- like living that, like embodying that, like it's a fucking privilege. And I'm very lucky, like all of this pressure self-imposed or otherwise it's all a privilege and I don't take it for granted. I really, really don't. I know that this is not a normal lifestyle and I'm grateful. I'm grateful I don't have a normal lifestyle and that we're in bed on a Thursday. Well, it's our normal. I guess it's our normal. We've made it that way. So thanks, dude. I'm going to put pants on now. Yeah. Maybe we should. <laughs> I think I might shower. <laughs> thanks for listening. We appreciate you all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you. And please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and this work. Mm -hmm.